Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben, and in this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, we're talking to the man behind one of the most iconic barbecue joints in the country. Hi family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. Today we're talking to Chris Turlicker from Blue Bonnet Barbecue in Melbourne. Now dating back to 2013, Chris has trained under legendary pitmasters in the USA and he's used that knowledge to create a barbecue icon in Australia. Now before we do bring Chris in, I've just got a couple of announcements I need to run by you first. First up, I want to thank Jagged for coming on board as our podcast partner for this episode. They are smoker manufacturers based out of Western Australia. So if you're in the market for a new uh, smoker or a sardo grill, they do some fantastic work. I've got one of their smoker ovens in the yard at the moment. I'm creating a video series for them and it is really, really good. So do get on board, check them out if you are in the market for a new smoker grill or you've got a custom kitchen job you need designed as well. There's pretty much nothing they can't do. Now, if you're just at the beginning of your journey, head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com because we've got a free ebook available for you. It's the Beginner's Guide to Real Barbecue. Now, this was recently awarded at the, N- at the NBBQA conference over in the United States, so it's a really good read and it's got all the information you need to know to go from zero to hero in the backyard. So no more burnt steaks, no more burnt sausages, just delicious, juicy, smoked meats. And a big welcome this afternoon to those people joining us in the Smoking Hot Confessions barbecue community over on Facebook. If you're looking for a group that's all about barbecue, all the guff is left at the door and everyone is welcome, this is the group for you and it's also where we do these live podcast recordings. So it's a benefit of being a member of the group is you get to participate in these live recordings. So you can pop questions in the comments and I can put them to Chris during the episode. It's really cool. Now, if you are watching this later on on the socials, if you're on Facebook, give us a like, a comment, and a share. If you're watching on YouTube, it's all about thumbs up, subscribes, and little notification bells. On IGTV, we love those cute little love hearts. They're so adorable. Give us a comment and follow us as well. And if you are listening in on a podcasting app, do give us a five-star rating and review. It really helps to push us up the charts and helps us spread our message of barbecue love. But I think that's about all the spruiking you need from me. Let's get Chris in here. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Chris, mate, welcome to The Confessional. It is good to have you here. G'day, Ben. How are you going? Mate, I'm really good. I'm enjoying the school holidays. I'm getting to spend a lot of time uh, talking to people about barbecue, so life is good. Excellent. So, mate, I uh, always start off the, uh, the these episodes with the same question, but given that you run a barbecue joint, I'm going to change it just a little bit. What was the last food that you barbecued for yourself? Oh, God. Uh, or, or do you well, even cook barbecue for yourself anymore? I, I, don't, I don't actually. I live above the restaurant, so the only smoking I can do is in the actual kitchen. Uh, so yeah, we 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 actually we don't we don't have a patio or anything like that to smoke anything on. I've got I've got about three smokers in storage, so I can't even fit any of them where I'm living. So yeah, right. That that does make it a bit more difficult. But I suppose if you do have all those uh, smokers and whatnot just downstairs in the restaurant, it, it it is it is pretty convenient. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the last thing I would have would have had here would have been the brisket, but I I, I only t- I only taste a little bit of it. Uh, every now and then, I never really sit down and eat barbecue anymore. You know, after after six or seven years, you get a little bit, a little bit. You know, I'm not sick of it, but you know, you get that you get that little money muscle every now and then, and you're like, oh, this is so good. Yeah, I can certainly understand that. It would be uh, it would be quite difficult. Uh, they always say, you know, it's the it's the mechanic's car that. Uh, that needs the most work done and the, and the painter's <laughs> house that needs the new coat of paint. So I can, uh, I can certainly understand definitely. that. Yeah, definitely. So those barbecues that you mentioned that you have in a, in, in a storage shed, what are they and which one's your favorite? All right. So I've got, I think I've got, how many have I got in total? I've got one in the kitchen, which is the big old hickory um, that we can fit about a ton of meat in there at once. Um, I think it's something like, 46 briskets at once, which is um, all rotisserie, wood, all wood-fired, all, all rotisserie. 
then I've got another uh, 2,000 litre uh, offset, uh, which which I, 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 I built it to open another another space, another pop-up, but it didn't end up happening. I'm just going to move my camera around here a little bit. I can't figure out which angle I'm going on. There we go. That's it. Um, so yeah, the the uh, then we got yeah. So the rusty old uh, two thousand liter one. That's uh, that's kind of that's a little bit scary to use because we've got this we've got this counterweight on it. And it's it's just held on by um by a by a cable. Last time I used it, the cable actually frayed on me, and I, I was a little bit worried about that uh, after seeing that all the weights drop off the end of it. Uh, and then I've got a I've got a another one which is it was a 2,000 liter tank which was a big three door that was the one that we had in uh, on the original one in Johnson Street that caught fire um, so we got that rebuilt and uh, I I ended up turning that in a, into a single door and a double door. Uh, I, I sold the double door to um, a, a mate of mine in Tassie. Um, and then uh, the single door I've still got, that's on the back of my, my food trailer at the moment, my, the, the new food trailer that we bought. Um, so it was, it's, a bit, it's actually way too heavy. It shouldn't be on there. It's about 600 kilos. So I'm actually going to get another cabinet smoker for that, for the back of it. Um, and then I've got a little, uh, just a little domestic um, Yoda Nice collection there, and I actually have a funny feeling that I that I met the guy that bought the smoker in Tasmania from you um, at oh, the Hobart would. Blues and Barbecue Festival in 2019. Oh, would, that, yeah. would, would that timing yeah, yeah. line up right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it would have been uh, Clinton Gresham. That was that, him. Uh, yes. Yeah, it was at Harlequin or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, funny how uh, just how small the world can be sometimes. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned money muscle there before. Is that your your favorite barbecue protein to eat? Yeah, uh, I I love like the my favorite favorite piece of any barbecue is is on the the point end, um, just on the on the on the fattier side, just that that tiny little end piece where you've got like all the fat on there and all the marbling through it. That's definitely hundred percent my favorite piece. Oh, hard to argue with that. Yeah, yeah. So, man, tell me, how did you get into barbecue? Uh, so, I was working in I was working in New York uh, as a chef, and I went to I had my first barbecue experience um, at uh, at Hill Country in in New York, uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I was with a mate of mine. We were both working in you know high end restaurants, and and I, I just turned around and I just said, what the, what the hell are we doing? Like, why are we, why are we slaving our asses in the kitchen? You know, I mean, it's not, it's not like we don't do that now anyway, but, but <laughs> you know, all of, all of that, all of the effort that goes into fine dining and all that, like it just, it just seemed pointless when I, when I had barbecue for the first time, I was just like, this is incredible. Like, why haven't I tried this before? You know? So yeah, that, that, so I decided to bring that back to back to Melbourne um, because I think it was there was I think there were three of us three of us doing it. Um, I know Big Boy was the first in Melbourne, uh, and then there was Hanks. About I think it was about a tie between Hanks and I. Yeah right okay and so uh, so that was your your introduction to low and slow. Now you mentioned Hill Country there. Is that the like the the famous hill country uh, rubs and sauces as well. Is that all the one business? Do you know? Uh, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. Yeah. I, okay. I, I'm, yeah, I, I couldn't tell you. Sorry. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. And so, what what was it about Low and Slow that just made you really fall in love with it? Oh, I guess it was the. I really, I really like in the beginning. It was really. Uh, it's really different for me, you know, cooking outside and like, you know, all using a wood fired, you know, the simplicity of it all, the challenge of it all as well, you know, cause it, the first ones you do, you like, what, what am I doing wrong? You know? And then, 
it's all it, it's just all about about consistency and technique after that it's just you know you you season the same you trim where you need to trim and you know you you, you make it streamlined and you bring it up to 150 and then you wrap it and then you know like and then take it off at 203 or between 200 and 203 that's and that's like you know that takes a long time to actually to actually uh, to actually you know find that out for yourself it's 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 and you know not only that and then and then I guess it's also you know with brisket you you can you don't need like a, a, eventually you don't need to use a thermometer you can you, you, you stick your finger underneath the fatty part of the of the of the point end and you're like oh yeah that feels pretty done when you can feel the grain sort of moving so yeah i i'm sorry i'm going way off topic here aren't i no not at all not at all i love it uh yeah so um yeah i guess that's why i like it <laughs> fair enough yeah yeah now something else that you're quite into is uh sausage making tell us about the the your your endeavors in sausage making yeah, well, uh, sausage making is was was part of our. You know, we we try to do everything a little bit different here. I guess we, you know, because I've come from that kind of background in restaurants. I guess we're not your sort of traditional barbecue restaurant. You know, we 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 do we do keep the sides very different and kind of creative and original. Um, all of the meats are, uh, I guess, you know, pretty pretty true to Texas style barbecue. Uh, sausages are just kind of a thing that we can play around with and get creative with. So I guess that's where it's come from. You know, we, we've got, I've got, I've got uh, a chef in there at the moment. His name's Han. He's, he's a Korean guy. He's been with me for about two and a half years and he's, he's next level. Like he's, he's, his sausages are so much better than mine. And I'm like, every time, every time I go back into the kitchen, because I'm, I'm only in there, you know, uh, once or twice a month these days, um, you know, actually have like cooking barbecue, like from big morning till night. Um, and yeah, every time I get back in the kitchen, I try and beat him. But they're just, I, I, I think they're not as good. I, he's, 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 he's next level. Like he, he freezes everything. He, he weighs everything to the T to a perfect ratio. So yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, sausages. Um, yeah, I guess uh, I guess sausages are just our way of, you know, being a little bit creative with meats. So, what sort of things do you like to do? Are you sort of mixing the different proteins? Like, are you putting, uh, you know, pork and chicken together in a sausage, and then putting putting some Australian herbs in there, or are you sticking to more sort of Texan yeah. flavor profiles in the sausages? Uh, we kind of do whatever, you know. Like uh, we we have our we have our classics that we sort of keep on. Um, like a kielbasa is is, you know that that makes a a pretty uh, common appearance on the menu. And then we've got the you know your, your jalapeno cheddar, beef jalapeno cheddar. Um, that's you know that's another one that's caught up, that that comes back all the time. But you know we 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 kind of just I guess if we've got if we've got uh, if if we can find something special, which we usually do, we've got we go through um, uh, a, a company called Discovered Wild Foods, uh, and they just do like basic. They go out and they hunt all, all the all the game and sell it to restaurants. There, I think there's only two of them in Australia that can actually do it. Um, but they 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 have like wallaby and, and you know venison, you know. Um, uh, the, yeah, the, like wild goat. So we 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 do a lot of stuff with with wild like with game with those guys. Like so we'll we'll do a venison sausage every now and then, and um you know that sort of stuff. That sounds really interesting. What goes well in a venison sausage? Uh, I've done it before with um with uh like uh, Tasmanian pepperberry and uh, and cherry, which is a really good combo. Um, also like a cherry, cherry juniper, cherry juniper and, and venison. But, you know, you, you, we, we always kind of put 30% pork fat in there just to, just to balance it out a little bit. Otherwise it's just a little bit too dry. 
Yeah, fair enough. I've always uh, been told that about 30% is the right mix, but whenever I try and make sausages at home, they just come out terrible. I don't know if it's me or the machine I've got. It's probably me, but... Um, Why is that? What, are the, what, the so- what, what, what happens? The sausages come out sort of like about as thick as my little finger, um, regardless of what size sort of oh, casing yeah. or, or, or nozzle I've got. And then when they cook out, they cook out really right. dry, uh, almost like a or like a meat stick that you'd buy at, at a butcher or a supermarket and just sort of chew on in the car while you're driving. Mm, okay. So yeah. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. So we've got a ratio. We just use a ratio. We use a ratio of 70% meat, 30% fat, uh, 0.25% curing salt and 1.5% salt, 10% liquid. Okay. And that's it. That's that every 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 um every every sausage we put in the smoker is done by that by that ratio. Oh, thank you for the tip. I'm going to write that down and uh, and give yeah. that a crack next time I'm making sausages. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I did find when I was uh, doing some research into you and your restaurant is that you actually had the opportunity to train under Tom Micklethwaite and Evan Leroy. Tell us about that experience. How did that come about? Uh, yeah, so that was that was uh, I don't remember what year that was. It was it was before I started Blue Bonnet. Um, so I I guess I, I wanted to go and I guess I wanted to go and learn how to do it from the people who knew it best. I guess. Um, so yeah, I I went over to to Austin for three months and uh, yeah, just basically interned at at uh, at Tom at uh, Micklewaite Craft Meats. Um, so I was there for the longest. I think I was there, you know, six weeks or something like that and did about three weeks with Evan, at, uh, uh, which used to be Friedman's. Um, he's, he's doing his own thing now, which is Leroy and Lewis. But, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, so I, I, guess, I guess Tom was kind of the inspiration there with the sausage making because that's kind of what he's, what he's really well known for and what he does really well. So um, yeah, I guess he, I, he he actually was the one who was he actually the one who um, Evan was the one who gave me the sausage ratio, but but um, uh, Tom Tom gave me a bunch of like a massive file of, of sausage recipes. So wow, yeah. that's generous. Yeah, yeah, it was. I guess I'm not in the same state all the same countries in so it doesn't really matter yeah it's not uh, it's it's not ultra competitive is it no, no so what was the uh s- some of the highlights of those experiences working with those legends uh i guess like i guess it was it was kind of just seeing how that whole how that whole kind of world is over there you know like those guys are getting up at you know they're starting work at at, at 1am and finishing it you know you know midday or or no not even you know we go until like 3pm so you know this we're, we're starting at 1am and you know finishing service at 3pm and it's just yeah that i guess that was the that was the uh that was the most surprising thing for me to see that they actually I know that some people don't do it like that. Some people, you know, they, they bank their firebox overnight um, and then come in early in the morning. But to see, like, people just, you know, the guys like like Tom, you know, prepping from, from 1 a.m. Until, until the Rosewood trailer opened up at midday or whatever it was or 11 o'clock. Um, yeah, and then doing service is just like, and everything, everything, every single thing on that, on that, on on his menu, on Tom's menu, was uh, was everything was scratch made. Everything from from and everything was made on the day because they had all they had was a tiny little trailer. So you know they'd go and buy their meat at at, at night, um, and then you know prep all the sides during the day. I mean in in the morning. So yeah, it's uh, another another world. It's not. It's not how we 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 could never do it like that. Yeah, it's just it's yeah, impossible. <laughs> but then again, he's doing it from a tiny little caravan, so it's like 
how is it not possible to, for us to do it? You know, if, if he can do it, I yeah, it's crazy, crazy how he did it. I don't, I yeah, maybe Tom's just a little crazy to do it. <laughs> well, mate, that sounds like an experience that, that that most of us would absolutely kill for. What um, what do you think was the biggest lesson that you learned from all that? Uh, hmm. I guess, I guess it was, uh, I, I mean, I, I didn't really, I didn't really learn to cook barbecue from those guys. I learned, I, like I learned, I learned their technique, but you can't, you can't, you can't cook 60 briskets in a, in a cook after, after, you know, working two months with these guys. Like it's not, so I, I don't know, I guess it was, uh, I guess the the most important thing that I learned from them was was more about fire control than anything, uh, because you know you, you it takes a long it takes a lot longer than than two months to to understand how to cook brisket perfectly. So I think I think it was more about fire controlling the the, the fire, which which is what I learned of them the most. I would say, um, and just and. And just little things like you know where where to where to place where to place your meat in the smoker, sort of you know finding your hot spots, all that sort of stuff, but not so much not so much um, on you know learning the the the, the ins and outs of, of of you know um, how to cook meat. Yeah, so I guess uh, if if sixty briskets a day for 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 two months wasn't enough for you to feel like you you'd mastered the brisket. At at what point did you feel like you had mastered the brisket? Like how many how many briskets would that be? Mm, I think we we started getting really good after after about two years. I would say, like I, I was I was happy with it after about two years. Um, I mean, you know, it was good. It was good, but you know, we've changed our methods so many times. You know, we we've changed our methods so many times to get it right. So it's not even about, not even about like, it was never right the first time. It was always, it was, it was okay, but it's also about being able to have a bit of work-life balance as well, because you can't, you can't, you can't just, um, uh, you know, you can't slave away. I, when I first started, I was, I, I was in Johnson street. I used to sleep, I used to live upstairs there as well. And I used to sleep next to the fire. You had a little mattress that I, that I put out because I, you know, I'd be cooking overnight. I'd be setting an, an alarm every two hours to wake up beside the smoker and put another couple of logs on there. You know, that's not a sustainable life, no. <laughs> you know? So, so, so I guess, I guess it's, um, I guess what, what, what I'm trying to say is that, that, you know, we, we used to bank the firebox. Um, but we don't do that anymore because we had a fire, um, and, and by bank the firebox, I mean load it up overnight and let it let it burn out through the through through the night. Um, so yeah, uh, I guess yeah, just finding finding the balance on 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 how to have a bit of a life and how to uh, how to make sure that our brisket is is perfect every time. If you're looking for your next barbecue smoker or grill, Jagged Woodfired has got what you need. Owners Julianne and Glenn are multiple award-winning barbecue competitors who have even travelled to the US to compete at the World Barbecue Championships in Houston, Texas. Based out of Perth and shipping nationwide, Jagged is one of the largest pit builders in the country and has an ever-growing lineup of meat cooking machinery. Not only do they have their now famous smoker ovens, their incredibly efficient gravity-fed cabinets are proving extremely popular in commercial settings, and they also make some of the most stylish asado grills you're ever going to see. Jagged is also well known for amazingly detailed custom work ranging from backyard designs all the way to installations in commercial kitchens. Proudly Australian designed, owned and manufactured, you can find out more at jaggedwoodfired.com.au spelled J-A-G-R-D. Once again, head to jaggedwoodfired.com.au spelled J-A-G-R-D to learn more.
Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. Alrighty, mate. Now it's time to take a deep dive into Blue Bonnet itself. Now, first of all, if you've been watching the show, then you know that I'm fascinated with names and I was really intrigued uh, when I was researching your restaurant to find out the significance of the name. So would you like to tell us uh, what that is? Yeah, so uh, I didn't know either. I was actually, it's actually a funny story. A, a, a guy that I met in, um, in in Austin when I was there for the first time, we, was, we, we were at uh, in line at Franklin Barbecue of all places and he said, what are you, what are you going to call your place? And I said, I've got, I've got no idea. He's like, why don't you call it Blue Bonnet? And I'm like, what's Blue Bonnet? He said, it's the state flower of Texas. So yeah, he he actually he, he actually gave me gave me the name for it. So but there's there's another one that's just opened up in um, in uh, just outside of Austin now. With the same name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the same name, we were first though, so that's all right. And I I, I hope you got the uh, got the international trademark on the name, and so you've got a nice lawsuit coming his way to get that fat uh, <laughs> yeah, fat yeah, stack of brisket sure. cash in. Yeah, yeah, be well worth it, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, mate, tell us about um, about the origin of of Blue Bonnet. So, you started in 2013. Um, how did it come about? So, you were in New York at at one stage. You must have decided to come back to Australia. Start from there. How did you get uh, yep. into Blue Bonnet? So, our first one, our first one was uh, was actually in 2012. Um, that was uh, I was. I was working at a, at a little cafe and they decided to close for, for Christmas. Um, and, uh, I, I basically just said to them, can I, can I rent you, rent your cafe for, for six weeks while we close? And they were fine with that. Um, so I actually, I actually got the first smoker built with my tax return that year. So, so it was, I think I got a $2,000 tax return and, and I was like, cool, all right, I'll get a smoker and I'll start doing pop-ups. And, um, yeah, I guess I had no idea what I was doing, of course. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's we are where we are now. So, you know, there's a lot of hard work that's gone into it. But, but yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, we, I started off at uh, doing, doing pop-ups in 20, uh, 2012 and then, Kind of just moved around the city a little while for a little bit. Um, worked at um, what was uh, did a pop up at uh, the Beaufort, which uh, used to be uh, Ike's Rack Shack, which I opened that one as well. Um, and yeah, just kind of kind of just moved around the city, uh, and then I was like, I, I, I'm probably going a little bit too personal here, but I was had no money for my for my for my um, move out so I, I to find another place i didn't have bond or rent or anything like that you know working as a chef you know 10 years ago you know the pay was pretty pretty bad um but uh yeah i, I ended up finding this what used to be an old bar and I, I was like oh, i'll just stay up there i can smoke in the backyard and do pop-ups around town and then and then about uh about oh, a month or two after that, I'm like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> a restaurant downstairs. I could turn this into a restaurant. I was like worried about like going around town, making 500 bucks a night, doing, doing tiny little pop-ups. So yeah, we, we, um, we, I ended up just uh, calling my folks and, you know, we, we all, we all got in there and, you know, I did it on a shoestring budget, which was, the only money that I had from doing pop-ups, um, you know, we, we basically, my parents came down, my brother came down and we, we all just kind of built everything ourselves. Um, and yeah, and then, uh, we, we had a fire there, um, uh, which was caused by the, that three door smoker that I mentioned earlier, uh, the weld on the back of the firebox was about that wide, about that wide. So all of the coal sort of came out of that and, Pulled onto the neighbor's fence and took the neighbor's furniture store down next door and Ooh, got wow. our place. So, 
Yeah, yeah, it was pretty brutal. Um, so yeah, that was that was a big hit. Um, uh, and then yeah, we we did another pop up after that at the Curtin Hotel, John Curtin in Carlton, mm-hmm. um, which which was which was great. It was awesome for them for those guys to have us there, but you know it just wasn't profitable at all. Um, so yeah, we I I guess it was at the end of the the Curtin Hotel was kind of like uh, I've either got to really really like do something about this or I'm gonna go bankrupt more or less. Um, so yeah, I think we, we call that a come to Jesus moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would definitely call it that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so uh, I. I was just looking online for a place and saw an old pub that was super cheap rent, um, short-term lease. And, uh, yeah, we set up, we, it probably took us about six weeks to set that up. Same deal. Got some friends involved this time though, and some, some old staff, uh, um, and the parents. Um, and yeah, we just did, did the renovations ourselves again. Kind of just worked with what we had, I guess. Um, and yeah, that was, that was, uh, that was, uh, Fitzroy North and it, it was a massive success. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, we, and then we're, we're, we're onto, we're at our fourth or fifth venue, whatever it is now, I've lost count, but this is, this is the way we've, we've signed a 20 year lease here. Um, wow. and yeah, we did it, we did, did it all, pro- did it all properly here full, full fit out empty shell ripped basically tore everything out but um yeah i i kind of walked into this place and it had low suspended ceilings and you know it it it, it looked horrible um and uh then i popped one of the ceiling panels and you can see i i'll see if you can see it yeah but uh it had oh, it's all hardwood like flooring yeah 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 and all, all, all up here as well i don't know if you can see that but yeah, all, all, a beautiful, beautiful building. Once you take away all the all the office office ceiling paneling, um, <laughs> so yeah, we. Oh, sorry, I'm losing you there. Uh, so yeah, it, this having trouble with my camera here. There we go. Um, so yeah, we uh, th- yeah found this place, and this is this is this is the the final resting home for now. Um, you know, we're looking at looking at getting into retail later on and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, waiting for the for the festival season to get back up, up as well. Yeah. So do you uh, break out the the uh, the semi-retired food trailer and head out to uh, to do the festival circuit and all that as well? Well, yeah. We uh, I bought an old um, 1970, 1971 international C thirteen hundred. It was used to be an old um, camera van for Channel Nine once upon a time. Um, cool. And so I've had that for the last four years, and that's kind of what we used to set up in. But oh man, it's it's hard work in that thing. So <laughs> yeah, we just just bought a new food trailer, like a smoker, a smoker trailer. Um, so you know, with the patio on the back. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Smoker on the back. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I've taken it out twice now, just waiting for everything to open up again so we can get it out. And yeah, I'm jealous. You got one of those uh, porch porch trailers. They're uh, they're really cool. I fell in love with them in America, and they're uh, yeah. so uh, so price prohibitive over here in Australia. If you're not already a commercial venture. Yeah, yeah. Well, we um, I actually I actually found that like it it was. It was I, I I bought it on the auctions and it had about ninety. I saw it had about ninety seconds to go, and I was like, "Fuck it!" I just paid, <laughs> just just went sure, let's do it. And then I was like, "I'll figure it out how to I'll figure out how to pay for that later." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds like a like a high high pressure sale to me. Sounds like fun. Yeah. Um, okay. So in, in terms of smokers that, that you're running in the restaurant there, I saw online that you've got an old hickory pit. So you must have imported that from the US. There was actually, there was actually one of them in, uh, in, in Melbourne uh, at the time. I got pretty lucky with that. I think, uh, it's, I think it was Alex from Old Hickory uh, was down in Melbourne 
trying to trying to trying to find a distributor. Um, that's uh, what I'm assuming. He was probably trying to find. He might have been trying to find a distributor because uh, there are a couple. There are a couple of them in Australia. Only maybe four, or three or four, or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, I know Joel Romo has got one up at JRs. Yep. Uh, and I'm pretty sure Santelmo have them as well. Maybe. Um, either that or or a Southern Pride. I'm not. I don't. I don't know actually if they have one. Uh, and I think Wes had Wes from um, Bovine Swine had a, a smaller, smaller sort of cabinet one. Yeah, right. And so, had uh, like what? Why did you choose the old Hickory? Was it purely the the real estate inside? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, you know, we we couldn't we couldn't. We, we wouldn't have room in this place for for um, offsets. Um, yeah, I mean, we've I've got enough smokers to be able to be able to bring them all in and and cook, and cook for everyone, but we don't have the space. Yeah, yeah fair enough. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely definitely the height that that you know you've got that height advantage from the from the old hickory the rotisseries. I was going to ask, yeah, was it one of the the rotisserie models, and 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 is it the double doors on the front? Yeah, double double door, uh, AXL, DX, I think it is, or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I I think they've got something similar at um, Salt Lake. They've got the big, uh, the, the, oh, yeah. the big rotisserie, the the double wides. I think yeah. they call them. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've got one very similar. Yeah, so that that they're a really uh, interesting pit, and uh, online it says you can do five hundred kilos of meat a day. That's phenomenal. That yeah, that, that, that feels like least. a huge amount. At least, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's massive. Yeah, yeah, a lot more than what we used to be able to do. And is that day in day out? No, 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 no. I, I, no, definitely not day in day out. I, I wish, I wish we were selling that much. <laughs> um, no, I guess we we kind of do, kind of do around. Like we have eight different meats on the menu and I guess we do on average on a, on a busy night, we do 12 five kilo briskets, uh, about eight pork shoulder, about 60 ribs. Yeah. Quite a, quite a bit, quite a bit, a couple of hundred kilos. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And so yeah. of those 12 meats that, that you're serving every night, what's the most popular item off the menu? Oh, brisket without without a doubt. Yeah, brisket, brisket and sausage. Uh, yeah, they're probably the two. Pork pork ribs are always popular as well. Yeah, beautiful. I I am quite partial to a to a pork rib myself. Now, one thing that I did want to ask you, and it's kind of a broad scale kind of question. About Melbourne itself, there's so many iconic barbecue locations down there. You've got yourself, you've got Q Club, that, and then the whole industry is included. You know, you've got Cha 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 Butchery, Kelly's Meats. You mentioned Lance Rosen before. There's Southern Grace Diner. Why do you think barbecue's done so well in Melbourne? I mean, Melbourne really seems to be like mm. the hub of the barbecue movement in Australia. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. Um, maybe because it was kind of, I, I guess it, took off here in the beginning. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe people saw, you know, it's like it's like when the burger craze hit Melbourne, you know. I guess, I guess, you know, once one person sees it and they see that it's, that it's profitable and, you know, you can make money and all that sort of stuff, people kind of, kind of go for it as well, right? You know, we've got, we've got quite a few here, but yeah, I, I don't know. And I'm not, I'm not, no disrespect to anyone, but my my motto was always, you know, if, if, as long as you do it, as long as you're doing it well. When I started, I was just like, I don't give a shit if I'm the busiest. I just want to be the best. That's kind of what, that's how I started the whole thing. Like that was my mentality, which soon changed because then I wanted to be the busiest. <laughs> I wasn't making any money. <laughs> so so yeah yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I guess I guess. Uh, I guess you know. I guess people saw the popularity popularity of it in Melbourne. That's kind of how how that's just, it's for restaurants anyway. 
Um, but you know, we've also got we've also got you know Hanks and the Q Club and, and us, you know, and you know all the other great barbecue restaurants in Melbourne. So you know, uh, there's yeah, there's there's you can you can learn to do it quite easily yourself here because you know you don't have to you know you can go out and pick up a smoker whenever you want really outside of you know the pandemic. Yeah, you don't have to uh, travel to Austin for three months and uh, and work somewhere for free to learn how to do it anymore. You can. Uh, there's a lot more knowledge yeah. in house here in Australia. Well, that's right. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, beautiful. Now, of of all the years that that you've been involved in in barbecue, what has been the biggest challenge that you've had to face, and and how did you overcome it? Hmm. Do you mean business wise or or or, or oh anything or cooking wise? Oh, anything. Uh, Business-wise, was was uh, was taking the ATO seriously. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> that, ouch! That, 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 that sounds was, like an that interesting story. My, that was probably my busiest, my my biggest lesson. Yeah, definitely, definitely taking the ATO seriously and and um and being better with um with 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 business. You know, I had no idea what I was doing when I first started. Absolutely no idea. I don't. I don't even think I had an ABN for the first year. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, uh, definitely, 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 um, definitely learning the business side uh, before you go into a, into business is is a much better idea. Um, yeah, that's 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 my that's my yeah that's what I would definitely give any advice to anyone about. <laughs> You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd, Ben Arnott. All righty, Matt, we're into the third segment of our show now, and this is the part where our guest gets to share some wisdom, impart some knowledge to our, to our listeners and our viewers. And what you wanted to talk to me today about was improving your barbecue by keeping it simple. So I'm going to sort of throw it over to you. I'm just going to listen maybe write a few notes, a few questions, and I'll, uh, I'll chime in every now and again, but it's all yours, mate. Yeah. So I guess, um, I guess what I meant by that was, uh, you know, what, like I was saying before, you know, everything is kind of like a formula, I guess, you know, you know, if you're cooking outside, it's, it's a little bit different because, you know, the weather changes, you know, the, you know, if it's if it's raining, your smoker's going to take longer to heat up, or maintain. You know, it's harder to maintain temp. If it's colder, if it's hotter, all that sort of stuff. But um, I guess I guess uh, keeping it simple is is using using a ratio for sausage. That's that's definitely a, a, a massive you know help for us because we know that it's going to be perfect every time. Um, as well as your techniques with your sausage. So you, you have your ratio, you have your techniques, you know, all of your meat needs to be cold, don't overwork your proteins, you know, all that sort of stuff is, is and, you know, the amount of fat content, all that sort of stuff is more important than, than anything for me. Um, you know, the same goes with brisket. You know, we, we, every single time we cook brisket, it's exactly the same. We, we, we trim, trim is, you know, leave about a half an inch of fat on, um, trim as much as we can, you know, nice and streamlined. So, so it's aerodynamic in the smoker. So the smoke can pass through it nicely. Um, you know, we, we use a, a mixture of, of, um, apple juice and, and, uh, American mustard, uh, as, so that's basically it's not really, it doesn't do much for flavor or anything like that. It's just, it does a little bit for the, for the smoke ring because you've got that fructose. The fructose gives, it has that, that reaction um, uh, with, the, with, with the smoke. Um, so, so, yeah, we, 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 we kind of do a little bit of a, a wet rub on it, which is the, the mustard and um, apple juice. And then simple season with salt and black pepper. Um, and then it's as simple as, you know, cooking at 250, making sure you're controlling your temperature, um, wrap crutching, crutching in peach paper at, at 150, 
crushing it in, in pitch paper at 150 and then taking it out at 203. That's that's our that's our you know it's it can't get any simpler than that really. Um, so yeah, that's 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 what it's all about with the meat. We don't we don't try and don't try and do too much with it. Uh, you know we have other things on the menu that we that we we also keep really simple. But there's a lot of technique that goes into it. You know it's it's about choosing the right product more than anything. Um, you know when we when we choose our brisket have a really nice marbling. We're, we're actually using one called uh, the Wanderer, which is a, a barley-fed free-range, um, and it's incredible. Flavor is incredible. Marbling is incredible. Um, so that's, 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 um, that's, yeah, that's probably the best stuff that we've used uh, ever, I would say. I, I would even say it's better than, uh, I, don't, I don't need to say names. That's all right. Um, so, uh, yeah, and then you know we do we do our pulled lamb as well, which is like a Tasmanian uh, free range lamb, um, and you know we just hit that with a really nice, uh, really nice merlot vinegar from a small uh, Victorian producer. Um, so yeah, just little stuff like that. It's all about keeping it simple, but just making it really delicious. Yeah, I like that you're trying to tie in some of those uh, sort of the. The Australian ingredients there as well. You're talking about the the Merlot vinegar and then the 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 free range lamb from from Tasmania. Um, so uh, just a couple of things from from what you were saying there. Do you pretty much only use salt and pepper in your in your rubs, or do you like to layer rubs like the comp guys, or how do you no, how do you go about no. that? Salt salt and pepper. That's that's pretty much it. You know, we 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 use a, a wet a, a wet mop on the on the pork ribs. But um, we use, yeah, everything else is, is salt and pepper. And then, you know, we, we, we add a finishing vinegar to it. So, uh, you know, for, for, the, for, the, um, for the lamb, we'll, we'll add the Merlot vinegar. You know, um, for the, uh, we sometimes we'll do like a bull, a bull chicken and we'll do like a Chardonnay vinegar with that. Um, just, and it kind of really cuts through that, that, um, that fattiness as well. Yeah, you mentioned goat before, and one of the things that I always found eating goat was that goat had a similar flavour to lamb, but didn't leave that that fatty aftertaste in the mouth. So I can understand why the vinegar would be mm. would be really important there. Why do you um, wrap with peach paper and not foil? We actually do both. Um, so so we we wrap in peach paper first, um, basically so we don't lose all of that that um, that bark. Uh, and then we'll wrap in foil, just to make it super super tight. So we'll wrap it in, wrap it in um, in peach paper first. You know, fit as tight as we can get it. But I just find that that you know you 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 can you you, you get you get a much better result. You don't lose as much bark off there. Um, it doesn't sweat as much, you know, because the the um, peach paper is obviously porous. So. So are they one after the other, or are you like the it it goes meat paper foil in terms of like all at the same time? Yeah, meat meat paper foil. So we we basically lay down foil, lay down three layers of foil, yeah, lay down yeah. the the peach paper, brisket in the center, we'll wrap it over, and then yeah, just tighten tighten it all up. So it's basically you you just you're wrapping in peach paper, but you're using the foil to like really, really like get it super, super tight. So, so, you know, you, yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Um, okay. And the, the last thing that, that I wanted to quickly ask you, um, a couple of times during this conversation today, you've mentioned free range meats. Why are they so important to you that your, that, that your meats are all free range? For me, I, I, I used to, I, I swore that I would never use free range brisket. Until I until I found it, and that's only because I because I I, I, I liked I liked it. I like a fatty brisket. I mean, everyone does. Like, you know, it's it's flavors better, but and once you once uh, for me for me, grass fed is not only about about you know how much meat we go through. You kind of and if you've ever been to a feedlot before. I don't know if you have, but I've been to a couple, and and you you kind of, you know, 
as much as as much as you know people say whatever you know blah 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 i i find it i find it really important that you that you know you you do use free range where you can because you know it's a it tastes a hell of a lot better you know b the the they have much better life. There's no doubt about that. You know, I I, I wouldn't want to be living in a, in a feedlot. That's for sure. Um, so yeah, I, it's definitely it's it's an ethical thing, but but it's also it's also uh, flavor. You know, it's and sure it's more expensive, but you know, that's that's just the way it goes. But you know, I'd, I'd prefer to have something on the menu that I'm proud of than than you know. Um, than, than having something that I'm not I'm not proud of. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense as well, and it's um it's also quite uh, that customers are looking for that now. Um, in this uh, like in in 2021 where we are now, they're looking for these more ethical choices, and and more more and more businesses and big brands are marketing themselves as green and environmentally friendly and that sort of stuff. So it's um it's it's really important from a business perspective as well. So look, mate, that, that's probably a good point for us to uh, to start wrapping up the show. So I'm going to throw the studio over to you now. Give some thanks, give some praise, give some shout-outs to people that have helped you out along the way and make sure you tell all the listeners and the viewers where they can track you down on the internet. Yep, sure. No worries. Uh, so uh, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. It's at BluebonnetBBQ uh, or you can check out our website at bluebonnetbbq.com.au. And, uh, yeah, thank you for having me. You're welcome, mate. Thank, thank you very much for your time. Yep. All right. Cheers. And there you have it, family. That was Chris Turlicker from Blue Bonnet Barbecue. What a load of experience that guy's had. Could you imagine what it would be like going to live in Austin for three months to go and intern at some of these famous barbecue restaurants and then bring all that knowledge home to such a to such a foodie hub that is Melbourne and just have it have it explode and become one of the most iconic barbecue scenes in Australia. That's that's a great story and I really enjoyed hearing that and I'm sure that you did as well. So do make sure that you look them up on on social media, Blue Bonnet Barbecue, and uh, you know say thanks to Chris. He shared a whole lot of information there, particularly in that last segment. Whole lot of cooking tips. I hope you were writing that down. If not. Check out the uh, the smokeyourconfessions.com website. Every episode gets a web page, and every episode gets a transcript. So that transcript will be on that web page on our website. So head on over there, check that out as well. Now, before we do wrap this up, just to remind you of the announcements from the top of the episode, if you're in the market for a new smoker or grill, check out Jagged Wood Fired. Fantastic gear. I've got one right here, and I absolutely love it. Um, the ebook is available for you over on our website. It's the beginner's guide to real barbecue. It's completely free and it's going to tell you everything you need to know to get started in the world of low and slow barbecue. Thank you to everybody who joined us in the Smoking Hot Confessions barbecue community over on Facebook. If you're not there yet, come and join us. Everybody's welcome. We leave all the guff at the door. We just hang out and talk about barbecue. It's a really nice place. And if you are catching this later on, on the socials, do the things, you know, the things, the thumbs up, the likes, the shares, the comments, all that sort of stuff. And if you've got a friend in Melbourne who needs to get some good barbecue in their lives, share this episode with them or tag them in the comments under the video. Make sure we get them out there to go see Chris and go try some of that delicious food from Blue Bonnet. So that's all that we do have for today. Until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions.